Hi, it's Richard Gillis, and this is the Unofficial Partner Podcast. This week, we're talking Tiger Woods with Tim Crow and Owen Connolly. Right, so we are going to be talking about Tiger Woods, and we thought, I say we, we I've got Tim Crow here. Hi, Tim. Hello, hello. And Owen Connolly, Sports Pro Editor in Large. Editor at Large. At Large. Yeah, not enlarged. Enlarged editor. <laughs> <laughs> no offence well, meant. What are you saying? Yeah. No, no, I'm. Uh, anyway, you're here. Yes, um, I am. And that's Thank that's you. all. That's yeah. good news for everyone. Um, Tiger Woods. So the big redemption story. I thought it would be interesting, and and as content ideas just fall off me. So I thought we would do a little three ball, where we're talking about. Three moments. We've got the we've got the launch of Tiger Woods, the the, the hope and the, the the great brand announcement and the, the early advertising in ninety six ninety seven the Masters win. We'll talk about that. Then we'll jump forward and talk two thousand and eight, where I think we can then obviously look at the fire hydrant moment and we're looking at it from a brand perspective here. The exodus of sponsors, Nike staying all of those different conversations that were taking place around about that moment. And then to, to end off, we'll finally say, OK, well, where are we now? We've got this sort of great master's victory, the, re, the, the redemption story. Where are we? What do we think? Where's it all going to go? And what do we think Nike will do? And where will Tiger and what does the brand Tiger stand for? So there's a lot there. And we've only got four and a half hours to get this, um, yeah. get this covered. So... Tim, let's go back then to 96, 97, the first time. What was your, what's your take of that moment? So I remember the, the sort of, there were two ads, weren't there? There was the Hello World ad, which was sort of the man, the man who would be king. Yeah. Um, Tyro Tiger, if you like, which was, I think, you know, a, a, with, without being... It was a it was a fairly straightforward play based on what had happened. I think the second ad was the interesting one for me, which was "I am Tiger Woods." You remember the sort of the, yes. the Spike Lee, uh, you know, and "I am Tiger Woods" repeated over and over again, which was by, a sort of Malcolm X, yeah, and it was the, it was sort of homage to the yes. Malcolm "I am Malcolm X." You know, I think there was twenty times they repeated "I am I am Tiger Woods," and I think that was really. That was really interesting. One because Nike were trying to position him as someone who transcended golf, was going to transcend sport, which he did. But actually, they sort of dialed that down over the years, you know. And 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 I think as he became more corporate, and as it became more about the golf and sport, you know, so so looking back, I think that's a, you know sort of. So sort of Black Tiger was dialed down, if you like. Yeah. yeah. Owen, do you agree with that? So, I mean, the, the caveat I'll start with is that, you know, uh, just to introduce myself to the conversation. Really. Yeah, are you going to now say I'm you like, were like 12 you're years old? You're going to say you're young. Yeah, I was... I was uh, you're our token millennial. So was it 96 or 97? I was, I was um, uh, about 12 when that, when that particular ad aired. I would have been 12 because I can remember being at... Uh, at secondary school and kind of everybody repeating I'm Tiger Woods and you know um, I think it's an interesting point about the uh, about 
the racial barriers that he was breaking becoming less of a story, I think one of the biggest things is nobody really followed him. So, you know, the idea of him being Jackie Robinson, mm. you know, when Jackie Robinson broke the colour line, baseball became, you know, half African-American and, uh, and, and latterly kind of, you know, quite Latin-American influenced, mm. and every other sport did as well. Um, golf has stayed, not entirely, but, but fairly monocultural in, uh, in that respect. Um, in fact, there are there are fewer black players now than there were when he he mm. broke through. I think I'm right in saying that might be that might be an old quote that might be from a sort of three or four years yeah, ago. But, but certainly but nobody who's had the the kind of impact and influence that, that he's had. I mean, obviously that goes without saying. Um, so I, I think it would have been, uh, I guess, a bit tokenistic and a, and a bit um, you know dishonest is a bit strong, but it, it wouldn't have carried the same weight as it did. The immediate impact of, of, of him emerging and, and winning at Augusta, which obviously was an incredibly powerful, um, incredibly powerful moment in the sport. Um, I mean, going on from that, you know, um, no, we're going to have to edit that because I've just the pro. There is, there is literally no going on from that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the summit. That's the absolute. Yeah. We've reached the summit. I think so. When you look at that period and you look at so Nike, and again. Um, I'll check this fact with Charlie Brooks at some point when I see him down the road. And um, But Nike's golf business was worth around about 1% of their total revenue, I think around about the time that Tiger came about the place. They, were, they were on record about that. Yeah, I think yeah, so, yeah. 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 Um, that must have been Charlie doing something in the media. But we, he was, so it's around about that, so tiny amounts of of market share, tiny, tiny amounts of revenue from, from the sport. I mean, I remember, again, I'm, I'm old enough now to remember Curtis Strange in Nike in the sort of mid to late 80s. Um, and Nike sort of was a, was a very marginal brand in golf. And at the time, if you were flogging golf stuff, you would have, you'd look around and you had Greg Norman and Faldo. Um, it was all know, very country club casual, wasn't it? It was, yeah. You know, very sort teetering of, on Alan Partridge. It, exactly that. And, and then... It changed and he changed it and it became, a, it was almost like a sort of pastime into a sport was one of the arguments and fitness. But, and but I, th I think that was credible him. because he was, he was the first guy and he, he says it, he said, you know, I was the first guy in the gym, you know, he said the only other person in the gym with him was um, uh, the Fijian whose name I've, uh, I forget, Singh? Vijay Singh, yeah, they were the only two I guys. I thought you say Colin Montgomery that <laughs> <laughs> the Fijian, the well-known Fijian uh, Monty. Um, no, uh, so so I, so that bit was was sort of very interesting, crew because I think if you look at golf then and look at golf now, you know there. I think there are two things that you can definitively see. What Nike did change the game. The first is there are so many people wearing Nike. I mean, it is incredible, hmm. um, and and you know that's. That's absolutely, you know, a, a, a tiger legacy. And then the other thing is, you know, these guys do, for the most part, look like athletes. I mean, you look at the guys, other than Tiger, the best golfer now, Brooks Kepka. I mean, the, the guys, you can absolutely see he spends a lot of time in the gym. Mm. Um, and before that, it wasn't wasn't the case at all. I mean, routinely, golfers smoked. They they were overweight. 
Um, it's it's unrecognisable as a game in in the distance they hit the ball and all that kind of thing but actually the look of them that Nike brand and them as athletes you can trace that back to Tiger and he was you know and and the Nike thing was very much about him being an athlete I think the other thing that's interesting about because you obviously you talk about Tiger and you talk about golf you talk about Nike I mean so much of what Nike does is, is not just about that that sport it's about having a stake in culture you know Nike isn't an apparel company it's a culture company mm. you know and they're not you know they they don't endorse Serena just because she's a tennis player mm. she stands for something more and, uh, so I think that's the other thing that and that certainly would have been well it was in in Phil Knight's mind because he talked about you know I was I was looking for you know Elvis yeah you know the next Elvis he was looking for the next Michael Jordan in fact and yeah. You know that I think was 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 really really fun. So it did, you know, for me looking back, it was here is someone who is different and who they want to transcend golf and change golf, and in many ways he did. Yeah, I think that's an important point about um, Michael Jordan, particularly internationally. the The feeling of Tiger Woods coming into golf um, with Nike was like Michael, you know, a Michael Jordan figure is coming in, and there's. He was bringing something that wasn't just he's an exciting young player. It was, it was changing the whole dynamic of, of how the sport was played, and, and he just was different in how he approached all of it as well as, you know, um, in who he was. I don't. I don't think in the UK we get Michael Jordan. I don't think we, you know, in the, we obviously he's incredibly famous, and we all wear his shoes and etc. Mm. etc. Et but I don't think we really understand the impact of Michael Jordan in, in the way but that if you, you would were, in the States. Uh, you know, if you were 12 in 1996, 97, yeah. you probably would, like, because he was just, he was being sold to you as that figure. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you know, it's kind of, here is Ronaldo, here is, um, you know, Dennis Bergkamp, here's uh, Michael Johnson, and here's Michael Jordan, and these were the, these were the guys who were kind of global figures, and, and Nike controlled a lot of that conversation. You know, you have to think of where Nike were relative to other sports brands at that time, Adidas were not uh, not a cultural force in, in the same way um, as they were probably in the 80s and then again kind of 10 years later. Um, Nike were just on a completely different plane culturally for if you were mm. a, you know, a younger kid in that period and then to have somebody who was probably an age profile 5, 10 years younger than most top golfers who was very clearly an athlete who played the game at a tempo. I mean, one of the things that we'll, we'll probably get onto, but the sensation of watching Tiger Woods um, on, a, on the, the final Sunday of, uh, of a major tournament, it just accelerates everything about that experience of watching golf. Well, I think that's the key point, isn't it? Because, you know, for all the, you know, the, the, the announcement was a big announcement and it was big money. It wasn't until... He blew everyone away mm. at that Masters in '97. That everyone really paid attention because, I mean, you know, what did he win by? Twelve shots. Yeah. And then suddenly it's like, right, okay, this is the real deal. This isn't just an advertising, sports marketing construct. This is the real deal because, I mean, because he shot was it forty on the first nine? Yeah. You know, Paired with Faldo. Yeah, absolutely. And but then blew everyone. And I remember thinking, wow, mm. as everybody did. Um, so that, for me, it wasn't sort of announcement ads. It was, right, I sort of got that and that was there. But when when that happened, yeah. 
everyone realised this is somebody special. Yeah, the three things come together. One is that he was a news story before he was a, a or at the same time as he was a sports story because you know he was an African American player. He had a bit of a hinterland in American culture because he'd been on Johnny Carson and hmm. you know people were like, oh, it's that little boy that and kid, you know, yeah. they've got a clip. Which nowadays you'd have you know fifty thousand clips of somebody's life before that point, but. Um, in those days, just having that archive footage was kind of a, a nice, curious thing to be able to, to chuck into somebody's story. Um, but then, yeah, you had you had the business story with, with Nike making this commitment to an area that they hadn't really been involved in. And then you just think about, um, yeah, the language of a, of a golf broadcast. It's, it's always, you know, in the early stages in particular, it's very much, here's someone playing a shot. It's kind of out of context for the whole competition and you're admiring the craft of it and 80% of them are routine and, you know, it's particularly to an outsider, it's, it's not very interesting. Um, they, they, you might see an approach shot that, that shows a particular display of skill or a putt or something that, that's really, really striking. But it's the Sunday that is the compelling thing and it's where you're following one or two players in a sequence and you're starting to feel momentum building and you see it. Don't say momentum to Richard. <laughs> there's a whole just, book. There's a whole book to be written about that. But we, we, <laughs> but won't, we won't get into that. <laughs> but Woods, although we have got enough time. For we have got four and a half hours. Yeah. Tiger Woods. Suddenly, you're seeing a guy drive it hundreds of yards, play an aggressive approach shot, play a. You know, sometimes he was hitting these putts from, you know, the greens in Augusta, and you're thinking, cracky. But then really striding between every hole, everything was just at, at such a tempo. Yeah, um, and on television, that really it's it's something you're not seeing with with some of these other guys. You know, there was a, there was a one thing I I guess there's a question, which is the he's often credited, and it's it's that line. He's obviously you know, so we're talking about that period. He emerged, um, and was the most interesting and charismatic sports person in the world, and he was a golfer. And one of the things that quite often people say they look at the media rights valuations going shooting up at that period over over the 2000s over the noughties and correspondingly prize money on the PGA tour and then they attribute that all to tiger's growth is that do you think that's true or fair or is it that was happening anyway and he is there a correlation do you think i've sometimes look at that and think i wonder you know, Premier League was going up at a similar rate, so was tennis, so was yeah. other sports. I think it's mostly true, and I'll tell you why. One, um, he brought a lot of brands in, you know, so people are only going to pay big money for contracts if there's an advertising dollar at the end of it. And, you know, Tiger brought big money in because, you know, Nike got in, so the other equipment companies had to up their game. A lot of corporate sponsors suddenly got interested in golf, who hadn't been interested before. The numbers, the, the ratings numbers definitely went up, no question. I mean, you know, you look at the consistent thing about Tiger throughout his career as he, he's, he's, he's added numbers to the ratings, he's added numbers to the gate, he's added numbers to corporate sponsorship, etc., etc., etc. And he's still doing it. I mean, when he won at East Lake last year, he doubled the ratings number year on year. You know, all your, your Rickies and your Rorys and your Justins and your Dustins can't shift the needle like that. So, yeah. he, so he did that. So I, I do think it's true. I, I know you're... Uh, I don't think you can put it 
in its own context because there was other stuff going on. But I, 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 there's no question in my mind that had he not done that, had he not done what he did, that wouldn't have happened because you just, I mean, wherever the guy went, there were huge crowds. I mean, yeah. whether you know the the tournament at the Grove, I mean, it was unbelievable how many people were there, you know, and they were there to see one guy. Just talking about his brand, I think the other th thing that's it's easy to forget is he's called Tiger. <laughs> you know I mean? yeah. Yeah. If, he, if it was Bob Woods, Ildry. you know, <laughs> I, we, I don't think we'd be having, I mean, it, it would be a phenomenon, but that to me is all part of it, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. and funny, I had a discussion with the pub the other night people about if he'd been sort of English and he'd been called Tiger, you know, how would the media have? Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's kind of, you know, I think that bit is often forgotten, you know, it's just this extraordinary name. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. It's like Tyson Fury, I feel like, had a following, you know, years before he became a, a, an international figure yeah. because people were like, that's a weird name. There and, was a guy, there was an amateur playing in the Masters with one of the greatest names of all time, Devon Bling. <laughs> I mean, that's a that's a name, <laughs> Devon Bling. Yeah. If any is any good, bloody <laughs> <laughs> <That> idiot. <laughs> um, sorry, Devon Bling. No, all, no, we'll cut that out. To, don't worry. It all came together as well with with the name and and then his dad's military background and the relationship that he had with his parents and all that. You know, it, there was lots that that went into that. But you're right, just being able to put the label on it and um, yeah, the Tiger phenomenon and, and the the range of headlines. That you've seen this week. Yeah, yeah. Kind of the stuff with his dad, including, though, including Giles, Giles Morgan's yeah, one, yeah, including, including mine. <laughs> the stuff with his dad, though, I always sort of felt that was a bit of a double-edged sword. You know, the kind of, you know, training from age two and yeah. you know all that sort of stuff. But it gets people talking, uh, and I think that's what was um, that's what was leveraged at, at that point in. Yeah, yeah, I, I, absolutely. But my, my point is that, you know, I just found it, it just sort of made me a bit uncomfortable. Mm. Mm. Let's go forward then, Next, the next moment, 2008 and the sort of crash. So we've, we've gone through the boom years of the noises. Um, it, was, it was quick. Um, and we're now at the moment where the, the sort of man and the brand start to, uh, well, separate fairly uh, rapidly. Um there is a sponsorship story here, which I just want to get into a little bit, because the sponsors fell into two different categories. Obviously, Nike, um, we call them a sponsor, but the relationship just, you know, is is a different of a different type really than like a normal a sponsor relationship. But it would be interesting just to sort of we had Accenture and Gillette and uh, Buick and various other major corporations. Um, quietly or not so quietly distance themselves what happens Tim when you're in that environment and something like a Tiger Woods an ambassador goes down or something happens what what are the conversations that you, that, that are had with with inside the brand sort of uh, war rooms um, well there, there there are many and various and if you if you've if you've done your homework hopefully you'll 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 have a plan in place I think the the brand that for me was the most interesting and who had the most to lose was Accenture. Yeah. And, and I was actually a big fan of what Accenture did because it is very, very tough if, you're, if you've got an endorsement deal with an athlete and, and they are front and centre in 
what Nike are doing. And Nike are obviously brilliant at what they do. One of the things that Nike are very, very good at is just controlling the narrative um, and therefore controlling the brand. And I thought what was interesting about Accenture was they took, and we, 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 we should talk about the different personas of Nike, because of, of Tiger rather, because there are, I think there's been so many. If he was a movie franchise, I can count at least 12 different Nike uh, Tiger personas. But what Accenture was, so they, it was all about performance and winning and we we know what it takes to be a tie and, and the fact that you couldn't move I mean open business media there was an Accenture ad there with Tiger in it you go through an airport there's an Accenture ad there with Tiger in it you know all that kind of stuff there was a one point where the home page of the Accenture website for a long time was Tiger I thought that, I thought it was a very smart strategy of course the bit that didn't work was the fact that there was another tiger, and whether they knew about it or not, that was a huge element of risk. So, so for me, that was an interesting one because I'm a bit torn. On the one hand, I thought what they did was brilliant because, as I say, they they really did cut through, and and it was all about their audience. You know, that was that 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 was the thing. But they they personified tiger came to personify the brand. But I think in terms of so just on the Accenture one, so there is a the question then becomes it's not a brand, you know, it's it's even more central than the brand. It's there is something here that um, talks to their core purpose yeah. and their business, yeah. um, which is they should know. They're, they're all about risk, risk mitigation. They're the smartest guys in the room, and they didn't know exactly. or they knew and they let it go. So exactly. that that is very damaging. Very damaging. For them. Uh, and and I read a few pieces that sort of suggested that they should have known because it was well known that Tiger was doing what he did, which. I don't agree with it at all. I mean, I never heard a word. And, you know, I was, you know, reasonably inside golf at the time and I never heard a word about Tiger. I mean, you know, Tiger was perfect man living the perfect life with, you know, the wife and kids and all that sort of stuff. Um, my, my view is, to, to answer your question, is that if you are going to take a position that has that much focus on one person and therefore that much risk, because there is always a risk when you do an endorsement, is you better do your due diligence, and you, you've got to keep your due diligence going, and they didn't do that. Now, I didn't advise them, I didn't work for them, um, but you know, Accenture's still here, still going. Um, um, the, fa the fact is that um, when that situation happens, you know, the, the first thing you do actually is you've, you've got to make a call about how quickly you get out, because clearly you're going to get out. Mm. Clearly, you are going to get out. Um, and it, what's the best way of getting out? Is it is it a moral st uh, sort of almost like a tantrum from the brand and say, right, okay, I'm off. You know, you've let me down, and I'm I'm going in a big showy flounce. I, I think like, for I quite brands like to take moral, I know you do. You're a Spurs fan. <laughs> <laughs> um. Or or do they just sort of stay quiet and then slyly get out the back door and the lawyers sort of get them out of it and. I think Don't so much you. depends on the brand, you know, and it goes both ways. I mean, you know, the Maria Sharapova thing, I mean, the guy who, uh, from Head Tennis, I mean, that, that yes, quite clearly right. was a massive Maria fan, you know, I mean, that came across in an extraordinary fashion, you know, and he got lambasted by, by among others, Andy Murray, you know, I mean, because she... You know, One of the, to your point about you hadn't heard anything about um, his, uh, his, you know, the easy tiger persona a big part of that is why it was an international news story because 
You know, they, they, it was a shock to everybody because we didn't know very much about him as a, as a public persona. You, you two are much more steeped in kind of golf and golf media than I am, but I, I remember there being a story <laughs> about. Um, I remember there being a story about uh, he had made he'd had a couple of beers with the journalist and he'd made an off-colour joke or something like that or um, something not not scandalous but you know that that showed a bit of a crack in his. In oh, his there were, I mean, shoe. there was an early. There weren't many cracks. There was an early GQ interview where yeah, you know yeah. he was he was sort of. Um, again, that you know, made a couple of jokes and and whatever, but it was it was all fairly light stuff. It was quite tame, but yeah. it was it was the, the impression was that he didn't like what came back the other way or how it came out or that yeah. it, was dis- I, it distracted from who he. Well, golf journal. I mean, he was a pretty marmite figure mm. um, among golf journalists because he. I mean, he, he he made it very clear he'd rather not be talking to him most of the time. Mm. You know, and he was pretty surly, pretty monosyllabic, win or lose actually. Yeah. Um, you know, so there was always sort of that element there. I, th- I think the other thing about, you know, the fall is is unrealistic expectations of people. Yeah, mm. absolutely. You know, and, and I think, you know, in terms of brand Tiger, that was where it got out of control, really, because, you know, he, he was sold as the perfect man. Yes, and, that's right. And, and, and <laughs> last time I looked, nobody is perfect. Well, um, unless it's like... I am. I'm really interested in the whole, you know, in the role model thing and how. I mean, it's, the people on LinkedIn are just constantly inspired by people, aren't they? They just they need they need role models to be sort of you know following and and I just think it's so it's such a strange it's sort of such a sort of infantile sort of way of looking at They're someone only like that. Inspired by people who get up before six a.m. Yeah, exactly. Your and there's day that, has you know, to start sometime between four and half past five to get it's, LinkedIn, Yeah, there's right? something deeply psychological going on. One of the things I about your point about you know we're not knowing much about him one of the sort of the genius of it really was he was almost like a sort of 1930s film star we didn't mm-hmm. we didn't see exactly. behind yeah. the yeah. behind the, the sort of facade behind the curtain um, and I, I think that of the you know the last 20 years I think the three most sort of uh, probably effective brand ambassadors have been Tiger Woods David Beckham Kate Moss Ooh. And all of all, Discuss. Th- all three of them are better when you don't hear them speak. Yeah, um, and that's almost a strategy in itself in terms of well, as soon as they start to reveal more and more about themselves in this world of you know Instagram selfies and every you know influencers trying to sort that's of share a very everything. controversial top three. Well, I th- well, <laughs> I'd love to hear a challenge to it, but you know, well, Rihanna has shifted an awful lot. I mean. Puma will say, for example, just you know, as a as a potential to nudge past Kate Moss, <laughs> Puma will say that Rihanna has shifted a hell of a lot of product and done things culturally for them that the same Bolt has not even got anywhere near. And I think a lot of people would say the same Bolt was one of the most marketable athletes of all time. I think there's a there's a Serena. I would say. I mean, as a I mean, if you look at the Serena's power within tennis and beyond tennis, the way Nike would use her, I would suggest she might be in there. Yeah. Well, I'm still standing by my three. You can have your. You know, you're welcome to your three. There's no science in this. Um, There's never any science with you. That's what I like. You're anything but data driven. <laughs> I like a spreadsheet, as you know. I thrive on a spreadsheet. Um, so. 
let's where go. Were, where were we? Where, where were we? Well, where are we? We're well, I think on your we, top three. We're, we're on my have top you, three. Have you got a laminated card for that? I have. Well, it's not a bad argument. I think I, I won't make it again because I've just made it. You can rewind <laughs> and hear the argument that I made. Um, right, let's go forward then to the last bit and um, today, and we're going to push it into the future. But obviously, we're just on the back of this incredible win at Augusta. And depending on when you're hearing this podcast, um, it was very recent and it was still thrilling and the papers are still talking about it. The next day, front pages had golf on them, which hasn't been the case for a very long time, um, probably since Tiger Woods um, made news. So where we are now is that, again, people are rushing to tell stories and project onto Tiger all sorts of um tales and narratives and redemption tales what what owen what's your take what's your feeling at the moment now do you feel different towards him than you did you know we're talking about 2008 and revealing the real man what do you mm. do we know more about him now than we did then do you think what do i feel like i can i can trust again is that what you're asking yes i think um there's, there's two parts to the the kind of redemption story from uh like a, a meta media narrative uh, point of view. One is that him winning is more interesting than him being back in the field and having been really good 10, 15 years ago. And that's definitely true for, for example, Golf TV, who just signed him to a big deal. Yeah. If he is one of the best handful of golfers in the world, if he's got a really realistic chance of winning majors, if his body is going to hold up to another you know, four or five years at, at at the top end and, and kind of being there at the last weekend, that's a lot more valuable for them. Um, it inspires people in the way that he was able to do, you know, if, if people uh, 10 years ago who might now be beginning to, to play golf, um, having the means and the time and the, the inclination um, and and so on and so on. I mean, winners are, winners get more pages I mean losers make more interesting stories which is why you've seen some of the best sports journalism written about Tiger Woods has happened in the last 10 years because yeah. that's where all the kind of the, the grist is but the um, for, for commercially he's more interesting if he's if he's competitive well golf, golf is is better when he's winning isn't it? I mean, and it just yeah and it's going back to what, what I was saying before mm-hmm. about him being such a compelling person to watch on, on the course and he's, his game has changed slightly because you know he's 43 but um, he's still is the most interesting thing on the screen most of the time. I saw. I mean, it, it, people sort of. Um, I, I went to the Ryder Cup in Paris, and I hadn't seen Tiger for a while. I, I, I normally I, I don't follow the tour, but I go to big events and as a journalist and and. Um, You're a big eventer. I am a big eventer. You hate big eventers. I do hate so big eventers. You know, I'm a complex person, Tim. You can't, you can't, you know, you can't nail me down to one one thing or the other. I'm very inconsistent. You're very much like Tiger Woods. I am in many ways. Is he? But not in not in not in others. But the um, tell me more. Yeah. So, but just be. I hadn't seen him for a couple of years, and I just couldn't take my eyes off him. He was just. He's so charismatic. Yeah. You know, he's just. There is something there that is extraordinary, and and. Isn't you know is not the same when I'm looking at um, who's, who's the old know, Zach the, Johnson, the, the guy who used to be on HBO um, boxing, Larry Merchant, coined something about George Foreman once and him coming back in the mid '90s and you know when he had no reason for being there, kind of in a sporting sense, and he said uh, there are many champions and very few stars, 
and you know stardom like age has its privileges that was I think more you said that George Merchant Larry Merchant right. from, uh, from we should get him on the podcast yeah we should he sounds interesting <laughs> <laughs> but, um, get his name down sure we're going to have to get him down but definitely you know there's, there's been a gap I mean there's been some fantastic players in the last 10 years um but none of them have commanded anything. Well, it's like interesting, the, you know, the, the Rory story. There's no bigger fan of Rory McIlroy than me, but I just think it's not the same. And, yeah. and it's, he hasn't broken out. He's, he's famous. Um, again, one of, it, it's that sort of trying to work out the fame beyond the sport, transcending the sport yeah. question. Yeah. And Rory does that to an extent, you could argue, but you know, at a different level. I mean, some of what's happened is that that's, that's how media's changed since the 90s. And... You know, the, the Tiger Woods is one of a, a select group now. Roger Federer is another one. Serena Williams is another one. Who kind of came in at the tail end of, of most media being this big kind of cannon that you could, you know, point in one direction or another. Um, but already by that stage, you were starting to see music um, splintering in terms of its distribution and, and its audiences. Uh, you were starting to see it with television as you kind of went into, into multi-channel. And now, maybe in the last 10 years, we've, it's already started happening with sport, but because we've had Tiger Woods and we've had Usain Bolt and we've had uh, Serena or whoever, and we've had these kind of global figures who sit outside of it, um, we haven't noticed. And, and actually, maybe what's happening in golf is you're just seeing people who are superstars in their own domain and, and don't really cross over. I mean, I'm thinking of, you know, last, uh, last summer, Virat Kohli was going to come and play for Surrey, and you were going to have the spectacle of Virat Kohli going up to Scarborough to play Yorkshire. <laughs> That's um, why he didn't come. He was, <laughs> he was terrified of facing Ben Code at Scarborough. I mean, I've I've been to Scarborough. And I can yeah, not to play cricket, but it's 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 it's, it's the greatest not, place you know, to watch cricket in the world. Yeah, I used to have every holiday there when I was a kid. Yeah, but it's um, it, it, that would have been such a huge media event in the cricket world. It would have been this huge thing. And it might have broken out and become a kind of curiosity, but it wouldn't have been like uh, Viv Richards in the 80s. You know, that that kind of uni- unity of, of media just doesn't exist beyond football and a couple of other things. So, I mean, that that's that's one part of it, I guess. Um, I mean, the, I don't buy the redemption thing, I have to say. I, 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 I think it's the wrong word. I think the word is... What we've got here is we've got a mass exercise in reappraisal mm-hmm. of the Tiger. I mean, the thing that has really, really resonated with me is the number of stories I've read and heard of people sitting in front of the television on Sunday night crying. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, Marina Hyde, of all people, <laughs> yeah. talks in her column today about she was doing just that. Rachel Burden was talking about it on Five Live. I think, you know, and there's a, there's a sort of aspect to the Tiger brand is sort of Marmite Tiger. Mm-hmm. You know, after the, after the fire hydrant, it sort of became quite binary, really. You were kind of for him or against him. Mm. And we mustn't forget what a big moment that was. This Google have got a wonderful beta feature called Google Trends. And you can, you can go in there and you can you put a search field of person, length of time, territory. If you put Tiger Woods last 20 years uh, and hit, hit search, the spike 
for that moment is enormous and the rest of it is just flatlining. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That was yeah. a massive moment. <clears throat> I saw one of your graphs, one of those, one of your graphs that you put on Twitter. I, I do on, it from time yeah, to time. but it was on Bloomberg. Oh, really? <laughs> Fuck me, that's lazy journalism. He's just like looking at crows. It's not the first time Twitter it's happened. Twitter I'll, t- I'll tell you. Um, but I, but I think I think I think it's a it's a mass exercise in reappraisal. I think that's one of the things that makes it interesting yeah. in terms of the story now. Um, I think we should just hold the thought about Ryder Cup Tiger. Yeah. Because Ryder Cup. T- I mean, I was I was in Paris as well. I mean, one of the things that I found extraordinary about where he's got to is I remember on the Saturday we were uh, uh, we didn't follow him around but he came past us and he could barely walk I mean he was he was he'd won East Lake the week before um, but Ryder Cup Tigers quite interesting I'll tell you, I'll tell you a, a story actually right at the end of the Ryder Cup closing ceremony finished off we went and we wanted to get to our car which was in the nearest car park to the course of course it was. Uh, of course it was. And the um, the best <laughs> strings being pulled. <laughs> um, the uh, the fastest way to it was was down somewhere we, we weren't supposed to go. Anyway, we had a quiet word with the very nice French student led us through. Here we go. And um, it took us past the media centre. And we have. I, I wish I'd, I didn't get my phone out. Um, and I, I, but if I had, I would have definitively gone viral. But we happened to coincide with the American team driving in their buggies to the media centre for the press conference. And it was quite, it told quite a story because basically you'd got uh, two buggies that had four in them, which were basically the young lads who were all quite clearly getting on well. And then there were four buggies with one person in each of them. Uh, One was Patrick Reed, Faith Like Thunder. Uh, One was uh, Phil one was someone I can't probably Zach whatever, but and one was Tiger, face like thunder. Uh, Ryder Cup Tiger, I think, is is an interesting aspect of Tiger because Ryder Cup Tiger is anything but the Tiger who wins everything. In yeah. fact, it's the reverse. But anyway, to get back to, to the, the reappraisal thing, I think there's two things about that. Firstly, golf has a new story, mm. which is about race for eighteen, which I think is. It'll be very interesting. The other thing that I, I haven't seen her talk about, so it, it occurred to me, let's say you were thinking about um, a, I don't know, 15-year-old kid watching on Sunday night who therefore would have, have no, no exposure whatsoever to King Tiger. I think the, the extent to which that kid can be brought into the story is very important for golf. It's obviously, you know, something that that Nike will be thinking about long and hard. Um, But I think for golf, it's an important moment because there is no question that golf with Tiger and golf without Tiger are two different things. So, you know, can he appeal to that that new young generation, which golf, let's face it, is desperate for? I mean, Mm -hmm. I... The average viewing, the average age of a PGA Tour viewer is now 63. (laughs) That's the average. Um, So this is a big, big moment. So a couple of questions just to to round us off. And it's to do with, so you mentioned Golf TV. And, you you Mm -hmm. know, before he won um, last Sunday, we were looking at a sort of future for Tiger 
which was mixed a bit of golf TV. You know, there was that contract, which appeared to be, you know, in, let, I'll take you inside the car and drive you around and it will be a sort of personal up, up front, up close thing. A, a variation of, you know, the athlete as, as a media brand type of story. Um, we've had the match, which Tim was very keen on, I was less keen on, um, but we that was a sort of felt to me a bit well very artificial and but you know it had its had its merits but it was it felt a bit like okay this is what it's going to be like late tiger you know it's going to yeah, be these but, sorts but of events we, and we've talked about this right on. no no but where where you were definitively wrong about that was this is a throwback to how golf was built in the television era when McCormack had Palmer and Niklaus and player, he created head-to-heads, big three, and you know they played on courses all over America, then they came here, it was a big thing on the BBC. So I know why you were, it, it, everything, it's everything you don't like. Yeah, and I had to but, write A under words. Yeah, uh, you did. Uh, but it was actually, uh, uh, it, nothing could be more traditional in terms of the presentation of golf than a head-to-head on TV because no, that, yeah. that was that was one of the key ways that McCormack built the big three into the big three, you know. And, and, and I actually you know, think there's a massive appetite for it. The betting thing and all that kind of stuff obviously was a distraction. All the not very good technical issues. It didn't work in terms of the bants. Yeah. And actually, I think that's you know less is more, guys. You know, I don't think you actually need to do a lot of that. I think. Let's just put two. I mean, you know, Tiger versus Rory head to head. I think a lot of people would be interested in that. Mm. No question. I think the difference as well is, um, you know, golf TV is is targeted at a golf audience, so it's it's very much it, it, it's people over and above the people who would watch the Masters, maybe even over and above the average kind of PGA tour viewer. No question about it. So yeah. th- there's a value to that audience in seeing. Okay, let's put all of these guys up against Tiger. Let's see how they behave. Let's see the shots they take, the shots they don't take, um, in that very kind of unusual environment. You well, know, the other thing you about understand it, understand a bit about the dynamics. Why? Yeah. How is match play different? Well, that's that's yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. the point because you know the the only. I mean, golf. This is the sport that spent ten years arguing about the length of the putter, rather than <laughs> you know formats. This is a sport that gets into the Olympics, and instead of doing all the things that they could have done in terms of match play and countries and mixed events. Oh, well, I tell you what we'll do, we'll have a 72-hole <laughs> stroke play event and bore the shit out of everybody. <laughs> I actually think, you know, going back to that point about how do you ignite a new generation and actually the future of golf, I think the future of golf is about match play and about head-to-heads rather than about 72-hole stroke play. I think, I think that actually is a really big way that they can get that new generation into golf. And I think Ty, that's why I think Tiger can be so fundamental to that. Um. What about the... So we've seen Roger Federer is always an interesting comparison. So Nike and Federer have sort of parted company. We're, we're, we're assured that that's not going to be the case for Tiger. But you've got like a sort... I'm just wondering where the brand goes. So we finish off. Does he do you think he stands for something? And looking at 20 years of Tiger Woods and the brand of Tiger Woods which is where we started. What what does it stand for other than sort of so money? One of the things, I mean, it's interesting you you use the term reappraise or something I've, I've used in my column as reformation and it's like 
you know, all the, the messy stuff about Tiger as a person, people felt complicit in, in that coming out, complicit in bringing that about to an extent. You know, there's a degree of guilt when you see someone who's a global figure and you're like, wow, that person is really hurting. Um, and then there's some people who just don't want to know and like, well, I, I like my sports people to be sports people and, and I'll leave it at that. So I feel like some of what's happened in the last week is when Tiger Woods is winning and he seems happy and he's you know settled in his life and he's smiling for the cameras and everything, you're like, okay, that person now can belong to me again in a way that an individual with frailties just just can't. You know, it's like success having many fathers and failure being an orphan. Well, personal failure is a single parent family. And let me, just, let me just write that one down. <laughs> that's, a, that's another intro for me. The um, so I feel like that that he can become that that person again. Obviously, I think what he what will need to happen, and it's interesting to see how Nike come into this conversation, is all the stuff that we've talked about that after that initial burst onto the scene about his story and him being the first African American to win the Masters, and um, I think. He now has to talk about some of those things. I think there's value in him talking about what his life has really been like, what some of his struggles were like. Um, yeah, being that, a little bit more open as a person because he will have some perspective, he'll have some distance on it. Nike have obviously shown an appetite for that kind of thing with what they've done with Kaepernick, with you know how you think that they when. There are more athletes now, you think of LeBron James or Serena Williams or Andy Murray, who if they feel kind of self-possessed, they are able to tread that line between... It's a really interesting point, because I was, you know, so the question then becomes, is that in him to share to that level degree? And we, I don't know him and we don't know him as a person, but all of the evidence suggests that it would be very difficult for him. The, The Golf TV sort of contract was, is being sold as a this is the real Tiger and you're going to get up close and personal I'm not sure I, I saw him walking off the green and the, the, the lovely stuff with his son and the family and then I saw Mark, Stein, Mark Steinberg standing behind yes. him and I thought he was the only one not wearing a Nike I'm uh, just wondering shirt. whether or not that you well, know I mean, the corporate it Tiger to add to another one of Tim's yeah. 15 12 sort of, I've got 12. 12. 12 but there is a sort of there's that corporate front, which I just wonder if you I mean, could ever one penetrate. Of the things, one of the things that we will probably discover if, if you learn more about him is that probably golf takes up more of his thinking than, yeah, than yeah. What lots of people would uh, yeah. would be able to contemplate. But, you know, I do feel like that you look at how certain other people have been in, in retirement or in later career, and they are a bit more open, and, and it, some of it is maturity, and some of it is, you know, yeah. is understanding how to talk about things and, and what you're talking about. I think the other thing is that there are going to be fewer and fewer of the, or at least there might not be fewer and fewer, but at the moment there are not as many of these uh, universally recognisable figures. You know, I mean, we talked a bit about the, the dissipation of media. There's also polarisation going on if you think of, you know, a, your affiliation to a sports person can be a political act almost if you, if you mm. like Raheem Sterling. You know, or yeah. you don't like Raheem Sterling. I can say something about your politics, which is insane. Or you, not even if you like him, if you rate him as a footballer, and it's like it's, you'd think that's self-evident, but apparently it's not to some people. So, you know, I think there is the element of somebody who is a properly globally famous figure um, is is 
going to become less and less of a thing in the way that it was. And, and you know, that is, again, probably partly why we haven't seen other figures like that and why everyone's still so fascinated with Tiger Woods. Yeah, yeah. Tim? Well, I think Race for 18 is going to become dominant. Um, I think how Nike Tiger plays out is going to be very interesting, talking about control the narrative. But I think Race for 18, and actually that sort of took me back a bit, actually. So for a long time, I advised RBS about everything they did. Um, when you talk about that, it's a bit like sort of talking about prog rock, you know, now. You know, you kind of you don't you sort of you don't say that you work for RBS or that you like <laughs> prog rock. You've got um, me a bit careful saying you, you advised RBS about everything they did. Yeah, uh, but it's the sports marketing stuff, um, <laughs> not the size of the book uh, or the subprime. But one of the reasons that we did Jack, we had a sponsorship with Jack Nicholas, was actually it was a much cheaper way of getting inside of the Tiger story because the Tiger story very quickly became, can he overtake? Jack's 18 and we thought actually having having Jack as you know the guy who talked about it um, would be a pretty smart strategy which as it turns out it was because everybody always wanted to talk to Jack as whenever Tiger won a major mm -hmm. so I think this is going to be very good news for Jack Nicklaus too and I would strongly advise any brand who can't afford Tiger's number which has gone up rapidly um, I think it'd be good I, I think it'd be very good news for the majors um, uh, because obviously those events now are going to have a really historic um, import because let's face it how many years has he got left um, and then I think the other thing for, for, for golf generally it's what can golf be agile enough and smart enough to use this to their advantage rather than carrying on talking about the length of the putter and you know or I mean so so what for example are, are is golf going to do about Tiger and Tokyo 2020 because that's a big big moment um, and you know how can they how can they take advantage of that truly global exposure that golf will get from the Olympics which let's face it they blew in Rio I mean, it, the last thing anybody was interested in was that tournament. Lovely though it was, uh, but it was a massive missed opportunity. Okay, I think we're there. I think we, we've gone from start to finish with a bit of middle, which is, that sounds like a story to me. Um, I'm going to thank Owen Connolly, editor, editor at large for Sports Pro, and Tim Crow, who is, what are you, a sort of guru for hire? Uh, yeah, I'm sort of a pluralist. <laughs> Talking of branding. <laughs> right, and uh, that's that's it from another unofficial partner podcast. Thanks Thank for listening. Thank you very much. Hi, this is Sean Simpleton publisher of Unofficial Partner. I hope you enjoyed this episode and found it informative, enlightening and possibly even educational, but above all, entertaining. That is our aim in everything we do here at Unofficial Partner. We intend to produce our podcast at least once a week, a mixture of interviews with the great and the good, as well as a few specials like the one you've just heard, where we examine a topic that deserves more attention. 
If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with a colleague or two, or even share it on your social channels. If you really enjoyed it, we would be very grateful if you could rate and review us on iTunes. A five-star review really helps our rankings, so others can find the podcast too. Many thanks in advance. And finally, we'd love to hear any feedback on what you like, what you don't like, and any suggestions for future people or subjects we should feature. All the best. Take care.